Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. The, joining me, as always, is my partners, Ralph and Bevo. This is going to be part two to our Spooky Nests, where we are going to be talking this week about possessions and conjurings. We're coming up on a big season here for this time of year, so blessings to Ellen, anyone who celebrates. First, we're going to start off tonight. Ralph has some headlines for us for the news this week. Go ahead, Ralph. News of the week. Um... We start in Italy and there's a mother suing her two sons. The sons are 40 and 42. And why uh, they sued is because the mom uh, would like to kick them out of their house because they are still <laughs> living at home. And yeah, and uh, she could not find any uh, uh, um, way to get uh, rid of those two sons. So. Uh, out of desperation, she went to the court and the judge said, like, yeah, those two guys have to go. <laughs> so you can I think if I was the judge, I would have said the same thing. <laughs> so you can essentially get squatters' rights, Ralph, as a kid, by the sound of it. I mean, <clears throat> in the US, that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. Yeah, they'd get squatters' rights. You wouldn't be able to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Another story in the news this week uh, comes from a German university. Um, they asked their students what uh, they would like to have at the university to, to improve the, the students' life. And uh, in this voting, on uh, place number one was they would have uh, liked to have uh, glory holes in the lecture hall. <laughs> How are you going to get any work done with that going on? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the demand was then after uh, this was oh. the, the uh, point which got the most uh, uh, votes was uh, three glory holes in the lecture hall. <laughs> but the university rejected it. Yeah. I, you got to wonder uh, if they were trolling them at that point. It's, it's a sad day for democracy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of democracy, I've got a news event. If, if you... We've covered a bit of this in the past, but uh, SBF is actually innocent. Um, it, he didn't know he was embezzling $8 billion, and it was everybody else's fault, apparently, if you've been following his trial. So uh, we'll see where that ends, I guess. And as I said, when we did the um, the podcast on that, it, uh, you know, he could get up to 115 years, I think it was, from memory. We'll see how much he gets. We, we're getting all that much closer, yeah? I don't know. I don't think so. He's... So he pretends he's stupid. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say oh, I didn't know what was going on, and yeah, it wasn't me that was doing all this, and yeah, don't recall that pretty much. I've been following a bit of the trial, so here and there, but yeah, I, you know, if he doesn't get 110 years, mate, it's rigged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another one is uh, from the world of science. Um, uh, there's a university in UK, Norfolk, who figured out that female frogs pretend to be dead to avoid horny males. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> they don't so that's fuck. the ultimate I have a headache uh, excuse. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but I read uh, a couple of weeks ago that there's, there are uh, ducks who uh, have sex with dead ducks. So if, if one duck dies, they don't mind to um, go over it. <laughs> ne necrophilic <laughs> last time. A, a necrophilic duck quack quack. <laughs> yes. Well, who knew, eh? 
end to end uh, the news round uh, would be uh, uh, the there's a off duty pilot uh, charged for uh, 83 counts of attempted murder. He was flying uh, um, um, on high on magic mushrooms. <laughs> And he tried to, during mid-air to switch off the engines of the of the airplane. Is, a co- <laughs> is this a commercial pilot, Ralph? Is it what? Was he a commercial pilot, like an airline? Yes, he was off duty. He uh, had this seat in in the uh, cockpit, oh. uh, this spare seat, and he was sitting there. And yeah, well, uh, mid-air he. Got you can say possessed by magic mushrooms and he tried <laughs> to switch the the engines off. Mm. Yeah, I I think it will not end good for him. Do you remember a movie called Flying High? I, I think the Americans might have called it something else. Um, do you remember that movie? No, no. Uh, yeah, but I can't remember what the American version was called. Um, yeah, anyway, it was a you know a skit about airlines, but anyway, we'll move on. Uh it's called air, uh, um, airplane. Uh, in, airplane. In yeah. okay. It's a classic, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I know this movie. Yes, it is classic comedy for airlines. Yeah, uh, one of the favorite scenes is the shit's really going to hit the fan this time. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's classic. Yeah. So from there, let's go into the stories uh, where people's lives, the shit actually has hit the fan. So what we wanted to do on this episode was to go into the times where people have gotten possessed or have tried to conjure something from the spirit world. And the reason we're doing this particular topic was last week we did Cursed Objects and Haunted Places but we wanted to do it where the person themselves has actually exhibited some type of paranormal behavior. So there's an entire list of this stuff that you can find on Wiki of the things that people do when they have a possession. So <clears throat> if you call an exorcist, it's actually a pretty lengthy process. The church has a lot of paperwork to fill out. They have a lot of investigators to send down, and they don't just hand them out. Most of the time when you see them on TV, it's somebody trying to make money or it's uh, somebody just trying to get uh, notoriety for doing exorcisms. Most of the time, people are the average person isn't trained to do it, so they're trying to get something out of it on their own. In the case of the church or any of the secular religions, most of the time when they do an exorcism, something has really gone wrong and they try to keep the information kind of quiet because they're respecting the lives of the people involved. So if a family is involved and there's an exorcism performed, they've already done the research and the background and making sure that these people aren't full of crap because that's the case more times out of not. So when it's serious and they think it's for real, they're not going to actually let that information out. In the case of Roland Doe, which isn't the person's real name, there was a boy who actually had an exorcism performed, and this was back in the late 40s, I believe, 
And he was a 14-year-old boy. Now, most of the people out there, our listeners, know this story because this is the story that The Exorcist was based on. It was a little boy whose real name or is was not given out, but his name was Roland Doe. And the re- they called him Roland Doe. The reason that they this information got out is because during the time that they were actually doing the investigation and exorcisms with this boy he was brought to a hospital and it's believed that the hospital staff are the ones responsible for actually selling the information off to try to make money on this particular story so what happened here was this little boy roland had an aunt and the aunt was very big into a cult so he was close to her and she taught him a lot of different stuff and in after the nest we usually have a private discussion with all of our listeners and in last week's we were discussing ouija boards for a little while and we talked about what the purpose of them is how they work and what they're for and essentially is they are for calling somebody on the other side of the veil, which simply means trying to get in contact with somebody who passed on. So this is a form of necromancy, communicating with dead spirits, so or dead people's spirits. So the problem we discussed before was they, when you throw that line out and try to make that call to the other side, you don't always know who is actually picking it up. This little boy, it was believed that he was actually trying to get in touch with his aunt. There was a grief there and he was trying to get past it. The problem was, was that after he started messing around with this Ouija board, things started getting a little strange. So he displayed all of the typical uh, uh, behaviors that you would think. And it was written off by most doctors as a teenage rebellious boy who was grieving. So there's always the fits of rage and the anger and all this, this and that stuff. But things started getting really bad when there was unusual things happen that the mother had witnessed. So she started witnessing everything first. This was things like the bed shaking, objects moving across the room and breaking, and looks like things were getting flung off shelves. So when it came to the time to that the doctors were examining him and saying, look, this is absolutely not regular behavior that we can clarify here. So what we're going to do is we're going to recommend you to see somebody who's a priest. So they did. And they had priests come in a couple of times and check him out. And I'm not going to give you all the names. It's, it's all right there on Wiki if you need to see it. But the point of the story is, is that after a while, they realized things were getting dangerous and the boy looked like he was going to be a danger to himself. So in that time, he was waking up with bruises on his body as he slept. And then there were times where they did a couple of uh, simple prayers. Exorcisms don't come all as a one giant uh, thing. They try to see what they're dealing with first to make sure. So they'll do just simple little prayer sessions and things like that. Well, it seemed that these weren't working. It was actually making things worse. This went on for a few days. What was happening, though, was Roland was waking up with or they were experiencing Roland developing cuts as they were doing this. So at the first time, there was one giant cut where he was complaining that his chest hurt. And when they pulled his shirt down, they could see that he was actually developing a very long slice across his chest. From there, they said, "Okay, you know what? 
it, whether this is supernatural or self-inflicted, we need to get him medical attention. So they took him to a hospital. So this hospital actually put him there. And that's when things got bad because they continued to do the exorcisms on him. And after a while, the cuts got worse and worse. Then he started attacking some of the priests. He had an issue where this 14-year-old boy, there was one time where it took five grown men to hold him down to keep him on the bed from attacking anyone. So after that, when they started coming in to do the exorcisms, the church brought a fairly large priest along with them to act as kind of muscle and a bouncer and say, hey, look, just in case, do this. So they held him down but then after a while he actually started in front of hospital staff and the clergy levitating above the bed this is common when people are claiming larger possessions so at this point this is one of the things where you have an eyewitness account of something supernatural happening it got to the point where it was happening so much they actually tethered him to the bed because he would just keep floating upward so they did that and after a while, they realized they were dealing with something a little bit bigger than they anticipated. If anybody knows anything about spiritual, spiritual possession, and especially in some type of demonic realm, every one of these demons, usually when they claim to be the devil or Satan or whatever the uh, evil force is in the person's background, usually isn't the case. A lot of times these are low-level entities you wouldn't even notice that they were there sometimes but in roland's case this particular entity seemed to be a little more powerful than what the clergy was used to so they asked at one point in time to actually prove to these guys some type of display of power so what he did was he gently reached over and touched the scarf that the priest wears and the entire thing exploded into its original threads and fell to the floor. That was when they said, okay, this is a really big deal. Now, normally when you have an exorcism of this kind, you don't really, if you send a spirit out to possess somebody, usually somebody who's called something in, you don't send something this large for a 14-year-old boy. M most of the time, the children are, are still at that innocent age, and there's no reason for something that powerful to possess something so small or something so young and insignificant. What it turns out being was this entity seemed to be trying to get the attention of the priests because what they're doing is they're trying to take down some type of specific holy figure in their work so they're using the kid as bait and they want these priests to come in try to perform this exorcism because what they're doing is they're trying to trick the holy man into switching places with the kid and that's exactly what happened in this case so after a while Roland's wounds got worse on him. We're going in like 17 days into it. He would start vomiting when he wasn't eating. And the uh, 
the fluid that he was vomiting was way worse than anything that stomach bile could ever possibly give out. He started exhibiting cuts on his body of full words that would say things like exit. And it was just trying to tell the priest, get the fuck out of here. So this became a real serious case. Now, after the entire thing kind of blew over, you do find that one of the priests had died from different circumstances that were surrounding this particular exorcism even though they're not exactly sure of that because again they don't let this kind of information out but this was one of the times that i wanted to throw in there because his particular exorcism his particular exorcism showed telltale signs of a person who was trying to summon the other side got something that they weren't sure of but would detail one of the things that were unique to an actual possession and that was levitation and that was why the kid had to get tied to the bed and when i say levitation i don't mean somebody bouncing off a bed or just you know arching their backs we're talking about full you know a few a good distance a few feet above the actual mattress itself to where you can clearly see clean underneath the person to the other side of the room so that was the first one that i ran into if you guys want to go ahead and comment on that yeah i got a couple of things i'd like to say um do you have pictures or moving pictures of this new one by any chance that i don't have yeah, I don't but think it, we I, can look those up i don't think anybody does yeah uh, it's, it's, yeah, but it was 49, so... Well, they didn't have cameras, mate. They had both they pictures have, and uh, moving pictures, yeah. mate. Yeah, anyway. It was not like today where you put your phone up and you can simply yeah. uh, record it. I never, I never said that it wasn't, you know, uh, complex, Ralph. I just said, I'm oh, just asking if there's anybody that's got them. Um, another thing that I'd like to bring up... <clears throat> Let's a little bit of historical context. In that same period in the 40s, there was another couple of cases that just so like it was like there was a resurgence. It's almost like people's interest peaked and then there has there's more and more. And then there was another two cases. There's one called Arnie uh, Cheyenne Johnson was one, and there was another guy, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, oh, Robbie Mannheim. Um, that was also a case uh, at the time. This, but this is the same one. Uh, this case is uh, either called Roland Doe or Robbie uh, Mannheim, but it's the same case. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that would explain why it was the same um, priest, that, that Hughes guy. Um, but what I did... What, what, <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Where I sort of come unstuck, whether I think it is or it isn't, like the church, like this was the serious side of the church. This Hughes guy thought this is this stuff's not really um, seeming all that you know cool. So he actually went to hire priests, yeah. Um, so he's he's escalated it up the chain. So that gives it a little bit of um, credence, I guess. But then the other one was this Arnie um, Chayan. Apparently, he had a younger brother that um, was possessed by demons and, well, the family thought he was, so they got the priest in, they did an exorcism, and he was all cured. But then they then this Arnie, which was the older brother, he's gone out and, and murdered his landlord. And so then they tried to ensure that the demon had 
jump ship from the younger brother to the older brother and that's what caused him to go and do the murder um that didn't stick and he got he got done for murder but i, I just you know i just wanted to bring up that there seems to be this comes in fits and spurts you know like there you'll see a, a, a bunch of cases because it goes high in the media then you don't hear anything and then it comes back again so you know is it just one of those things that um you know it makes good good reading sells newspapers who knows yeah, the, the thing in these cases is that uh, uh, our if you, if you look at scientists like uh, um, who uh, work with the brain, they often say in those cases that uh, suffered from mental illness, but they cannot really say what caused the mental illness. So they just uh, talk about the observations. And that's the same what the priests or the parents of those uh, uh, persons do as well. You just see what's, what's going on, but you don't know the reason of it. And the reason could in a lot of cases not be explained uh, um, in total by, by science as well. Yeah, I just put that down to the fact, Ralph, that the brain is a very, very complex thing and we, we don't even understand the surface of the brain nor the mind, um, even in 2023. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, stay, so. stay tuned, mate. Stay tuned is what I say. Yeah, and, you know, the one of the other cases, and this is uh, another one that I <coughs> wanted to say, and we'll just touch on this one really qu quick, was uh, Clara Germana Selly. She was South African. She was one that exhibited behavior that was unusual. Same, you know, routine, very strong, levitated above, uh, you know, the bed. But what was different on hers was she was she was displaying an ex like a very sharpened port of clairvoyance. So when people would come into the room and they would try to do exorcisms and stuff like that, she had a way of knowing what these people's biggest, uh, in their point of view, trans transgressions, I guess you could say, were. So basically, she knew all the stuff that they had done wrong. And when they, she would start doing that, that was what would shake the people that were in the room. So aside from just the levitation and incredible strength, we've also seen uh, different cases that had people speaking languages that they weren't exposed to prior. There was a case of a girl who was able to fluently play the piano who claimed that she was uh, possessed by the spirit of the girl that died in the house prior. And that was the girl who died prior. She was able to play the piano. We've seen that before, but these are still regular, just physical skills. And you never really know. But having clairvoyance to information of people who you've never met before, and it's absolutely something that they never wanted anybody to know about. That one was pretty unique. That's why I brought her particular name up. What do you think on that one, Beth? Yeah, well, she that, that stuff happened in... Um Africa, um, she was a Zulu girl, yeah, I believe, um, back in 1906. So how much can we believe of what was reported and what was, what's been embellished since that point? I would say a fair bit. So, you know, again, show me some hard evidence, mate. All I ever see and read and hear is just scuttlebutt. You know, it's, it's a story and then it just gets embellished and built on and it goes on and on and on. I would not entertain that this is actually a thing. 
until I seen it. And if it is real and I did see it, I can guarantee you I'd shit my pants. That's that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> um, and so it, if if it is a real thing and um, whatever, and I, I hats off or kudos to the priests that they don't shit their habit, um, and you know that they can actually do what they do. But you know, and it's the same thing going back to the other one, like the the. Um, the Roland Doe, how he was tied to the bed because he was levitating. Well, hang on. Was he, did they just tie him to the bed because he was going nuts and flailing his arms and legs around everywhere? But it makes for a better story if they actually had to tie him to the bed because he was levitating. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes. it's an example yes. of embellishment that makes for a better story that sells more newspapers. And you got to remember that a lot of this happened in a time when we actually still had newspapers and people could not. Uh, cross-check or do their own research or to, to the level that we can now. So, you know, let, let, let me see some more modern-day exorcisms with, um, um, you know, iPhone videos, you know, and then we might... Uh, but know, going to this girl from South Africa, uh, yeah. there are uh, several witnesses who, says, uh, who said um, that... Um, all of a sudden, she could speak languages she never uh, uh, spoke before. Yeah, and that's interesting if that is actually true. Um, I mean, that, that would be hard to explain with just pure science, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah, don't the, have anything to say case, about that. In this case, this was what puzzled me the most because, of course, the, the, the first report came from a nun who said, like, all of a sudden she could uh, understand uh, Polish, German, French, uh, Norwegian mm. and this other witnesses uh, uh, said the same yeah. in this case and, and but, this is very difficult to, to uh, but again yeah, like I said it, it puzzles me yeah but again we're going back to 1906 mate so over 100 years ago um, you know again it adds it adds more <clears throat> as if it's a word sellability to the story doesn't it when you can say things like that let, let's see in the modern day, in the last 20, 30 years, I sort of couldn't find really anything where you could see what looked real and wasn't staged of people, you know, randomly speaking, um, you know, uh, languages they didn't know and, and having crosses and words and stuff, you know, being cut into their their chests seemingly out of no, you know, all the stuff that you see in the movies and, you know. Yes, but... Uh, back then there were no movies and there were not the, those uh, media like we've got today. So yeah. if you if you uh, pretend uh, that you are possessed, uh, what kind of attention you 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 gain through this? Oh, who knows? Maybe they're just schizos. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? can be. That, that's what I meant. That uh, it's uh, even even a scientific uh, reason for for this behavior. Is like you said, even nowadays, difficult to, to uh, say where it comes from yeah. because the brain. There, there is, I, I will concede, there are definitely some anomalies that we need to get to the bottom of, but I don't, I haven't been able to find any sort of credible resource or scientific analysis of, you know, explaining some of the events. So there, there's something there, but. To the point that it's actually the devil taking over somebody's body to, you know, come and destroy the world or something. Who knows? I don't know. It, to me, it's, yeah. It's, you know, Bebo, and 
as you were saying that if you ever saw it yourself, then that would make a difference. I do want to throw the disclaimer out there for our listeners. <laughs> we are not advocating trying to do this because if there is something out there and you're unprepared for it, I'm sure there are a lot of people who at one point in time were disbelievers and said, you know what, I'm going to debunk this and wound up in having a bigger problem. And as you said, Bobo, yeah, you're absolutely right. The evidence, especially from a longer period of time, was a you know real issue. The embellishment is a real issue. I mean, there was no, you know, what we would consider evidence aside from witnesses, you know, and in a court case that might work because the witness testimony actually means something. But in this situation, it doesn't hold as much water as far as that goes. So that's why I saved the Ammons haunting case for last, because this one had a little bit more evidence in it. This one was brought into Indiana and it was a case where a family believed that there was demonic possession in a house that they had rented. So what happened with this was this particular family rents this house and they get the usual strange things after a while of living here. <clears throat> it turns to find out later on that there was some type of foul play in the house. So the previous previous or prior to them actually renting the place, there was five people who had passed away in the house. There was a basement where a young boy had passed away in the house. A lot of people had suspect, suspected that there was some type of occultic activity going on in the house prior to them getting there. So they move in and there were times that it started off slow where they would just get a ton of house flies that they couldn't explain in the middle of winter. Then after a while, the kids would start doing weird things like rolling their eyeballs back all the way. And then they started to get a little more and more aggressive. So they finally started bringing in, you know, the regular doctors and stuff like that. The problem was, was that this isn't a real low income area. When the kids started showing up at school with bruises, that's when they said, you know what, we might have a bigger problem here than we think. This is where it gets a little more credible. This was in 2014. So this was not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they send police in and the lead guy at the place, he was actually the uh, police station's watchman. He was a 37 year veteran. And he would go and do checks. He would do checks with CPS, which is Child Protective Services. They sent an agent down there to do checks. They went in there and they started seeing the same things that these people were complaining about, that there were serious issues in the house that they couldn't explain. So that's when, after a while, they started to say, you know what, there might be something supernatural going on in this place. At one point in time, they said, okay, we're going to start filming this. So if you want to see these films, these films that you're asking for, for evidence are actually out there. But the biggest part of this case, because of displaying something unusual or unnatural was that to go past all of the regular stuff was they finally hospitalized these children because they thought there was something wrong. Now, these children were seven, nine and 12, I believe, at the time. So they're small. They're not in their teens yet. But again, exhibiting incredible strength. The part that really got this one on my list and why it put it at the top was because 
at one point of being in the hospital, the youngest son was standing there. His grandmother was there who he was close with. He started attacking her. At the time, there was a nurse, one of the other um, security people, like a kind of a, like an orderly from the hospital in the room. There was the CPS agent and there was also a police officer at the time plus a priest because they had called him in because they thought something was unusual, something unusual was happening. From there, the child walked backwards away from his grandmother after attacking her, walked up the wall backwards <laughs> to the top of the ceiling, jumped horizontally, did a somersault and landed on his feet. At that point, the psychologist that was in the room ran out. The clergy member ran out. The CPS agent ran out and she has more to her story, but everybody witnessed this and the hospital actually wrote this up in their report. If you want to see evidence, you can look at this because this is an official report from this hospital that this actually happened. So from there, we had a ton of different things happen. There was two different CPS agents that were assigned to this case. There was a documentary, if anybody is interested, called Demon House that is available where you can see that they did follow-ups on all of these people. The CPS agent that was there for Child Protective Services, this was enough to make her quit and move because she was used to this. She was actually part of the team that investigated child homicides. So she was on that, and she was no stranger to seeing very unfortunate things happening to children. But she had never seen anybody walk up a wall that looked like they were defying gravity and jump side to side. That was enough to freak her out. They brought a second CPS agent in after she quit, and that woman suffered a bunch of serious mishaps, but she had a lot of problems when she went into the house to do her checks. She won't even talk to the media anymore, and she won't talk about the case at all. We're not exactly sure if she's still working CPS or not. But from there, this documentary went in, and that's when they started actually calling in different people to do investigations on the house. It turns out when they were doing them, they realized that under the staircase in the basement, there was a dirt patch. So they had concreted the entire floor of the basement except this one corner. The police did an investigation, and they started finding strange things down there, like they found a kid's uh, child's pair of socks. They found a female fingernail that had a press-on nail to it. It looked like somebody was trying to do some type of ritual underneath the staircase. When the science guys came in, and specifically it was uh, Dr. Barry Taft, he brought a bunch of equipment in to try to do readings, and he started getting things from there was two there was three rooms in the basement a main room and two separate bedrooms one of the bedrooms was the little boy who died in there and that seemed to be where most of the activity was coming from so they decided to use their instruments on that dr taff was famous for doing the case of doris blither and she was the one that the entity movie was made out of when he first got to her case he actually brought a geiger counter with him and one of the things that was unusual about her case was the amount of radiation that they were checking for is uh, anything above normal. But what they were getting was during the times of her particular uh, 
interactions with this spirit that she had in her house, they actually got zero readings, which is unusual because most of the time you will get some type of ambient reading of radiation in the air, even if it's just coming from the objects or the people around them. In this case, Taft brought in something like uh, it was like an electromagnetic sensor or something along the line. And it seemed like it was coming from a specific area in the basement. The problem was, was that it was actually latching on to the people there. So if a person spent enough time in the place, especially in that area in the basement, they would start emitting that particular frequency over and over again. And it would react to how they felt emotionally. And he could pick it up on the meter. So that was another piece of evidence where we can actually measure something that was happening. So <clears throat> from there, we now have a way to measure when these unusual things happen. So with that, they also said, you know, for the contrary side, well, there is mold in the attic and there is a problem with the furnace. It's very old. So they said maybe these people were suffering from those type of things. But after that, they started developing medical conditions that were unrelated to those two things. So not only the family who had moved out, but also the guys who filmed the documentary. One of them quit on site. The guy who actually filmed the documentary developed an immediate uh, rare eye condition where he sees double for the rest of his life. And the doctor, he had a complete organ failure that the doctors at the hospital couldn't figure out what was causing it. But the more time they spent in the house, the worse it got. The thing is, the less time they spent in the house, the worse it got. But again, now we're starting to be able to read it. But we still don't have causes for it. We get all the way back to the beginning with the police officer doing the investigation. And they start finding out that, yeah, people had died in this house. It looks like there was some ritualistic kind of ceremonies going on. And people do believe there was possession. <clears throat> so all of these people exhibit, you know, sicknesses that could be a common sickness or a mental sickness from their surroundings. However, it doesn't explain some of the things that they could do. And that walking up the wall with six witnesses in the room was one of them. It got so bad that they took the children away from the mother because they thought she was causing something. But after a few months of investigation, they gave her her children back because they realized this is nothing that she's doing. So it comes down to now we even have some type of academic research done on this. And we have a state saying, hey, we could easily take your kids away from you for any reason. But they gave them back. And we have that hospital report saying, hey, look, this kid did this. And there is absolutely no scientific way we can uh, say that he did this just out of his own free will. Yeah, that's interesting. You like, I know the the child services people like they're pretty hardcore, and for them to actually um, return the children, they have to be, you know, because they've got checks and balances, and you know they they're all powerful. Um, for them to actually do that, then you would have to um, deduce from that that there was some sort of credible um, witness testimony that they believed in to the extent that they thought, well, it's, it's not her. So we'll give the kid back. So I'll give a, I'll give a tick in that box. Um, the fact that you had, you know, law enforcement witnesses, 
um, and medical staff. Not to say that you can't get, you know, um, police or doctors or nurses or even nuns or priests for that matter that aren't, you know, a bit nutso, given the fact that there was several from each sort of um, vocation, if you like, then that sort of leads credence to what what happened. Um, I did not uh, go down the rabbit hole of this one, and now that listening to you, I probably wish I had of just to see if I could actually get some of these um, testimonies or what have you to actually see if it's real, um, the testimonies, that is. Um, but, yeah, definitely worth some further investigation, I would think. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. A little side note to that, the local police in the area wouldn't actually go into the house. The That uh, guy that I was talking about, that 37-year police veteran, that he was the head watchman at the police station, he had to go in. He had no choice, but none of the other officers would go in with him. Yeah, and, and I, just so, did, I just did a bit of um, reading just before. I just quickly um, did, did some online research while you were talking, and they actually um, demolished the house in 2016. Yeah, because, yeah, they demoed it, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, of all the crap that goes on. So not, n- not being as close to this world as you are, new one, what happens in that case? You get rid of the house, but does that mean all the crap's still there? You build a new house and it's just going to fill up with those bad spirits again? Is that what happens? If, if I had to guess, to be perfectly honest with you, if I had to guess, you remember last week when we were talking and you said um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of ghost stories from the U.S. And I had said, yeah, I said, you know, <clears throat> if you talk to the indigenous people of this you know, continent, they have a lot of those stories, but they don't share it a lot with outsiders. And, you know, our government isn't going to teach anything about their culture. So, but I've heard enough of them. And one of the stories that you hear over and over again is they have very sacred places and very sacred burial grounds. So that was one thing that, you know, even if our government, you know, tried to flex its muscles, it was at least worried enough to, uh, not go around someplace that the original peoples would consider sacred. And part of it was, well, part of it was respect, but part of it was because they did believe some of the lore that these people were telling them. And in our country, you'll hear the term Indian burial ground, and everybody knows to kind of stay away from that. So if you were asking me about that house, I'm not really sure, but I would say that it is possible that if you were to, you know, they demoed the house. Let's say somebody leveled it out and uh, put another structure there. I don't know. Does that, you know, still, does that energy still hang in that house? Because when they were doing those electromagnetic readings in the basement, the readings would start in the basement in the area. But if you got near the area, that energy source would transfer to the person that was there and then the meter would no longer read the energy source in that area, but now it would read the exact same thing on the person that had absorbed it, who had gone through it and then walked away from it. So <clears throat> I don't know. In that case, I would say that if this energy source had not been picked up by anyone else and moved, then it would possibly still be in that area that it was in originally. And if you built another house, it might still be there. Well, going on your... Well, 
So I've got an example here in, in Tokyo. There was a prison and they executed people in this prison. And then uh, in the 50s, uh, no, in the 70s, they closed down the prison and removed it. And now there's a skyscraper uh, standing there called Sunshine 60. And the people uh, working in this uh, skyscraper, it's an office building, uh, reported that they saw ghosts. And yeah, seeing ghosts, it's, it's uh, not unusual in such situations and can be made up. But there were a number of mysterious suicides as well. Oh. People jumping from this building and uh, like regular people who were not like uh, suicidal. Mm. Okay. And, uh, there, there's the there's the theory that uh, the the people who got executed in this prison haunt those uh, uh, workers in this office building still today. And and one thing I want to bring up there, new one. There's a there's a confliction here. Um, it seems that the people in this world, if we call it that, like to have an each-way bet. And so in your case, the Indians saying that the burial grounds are, let's, let's use the word haunted for, for want of a better word, but that's not where the people died. So say um, the, the Indian braves died in a battle on a field, you know, 20 miles away, um, that they would be returned to the burial ground and done there. But they're saying that it's sacred and all the spirits, etc., exist there. But, you know, in Ralph's case, the spirits or whatever, the ghosts, if you want to call them that, they are in the area where they met their demise. You know, and then you'll hear people say the cemeteries are haunted, but the people didn't come to their demise at the cemetery. It was just the empty carcass that was taken there. You know, once we die, the energy leaves whatever you believe. Your energy leaves that host um, and it stays there. But do you know what I'm trying to ask? It, it, to me, Yeah, I, I absolutely do. And you are right. As a matter of fact, I had this discussion a while back with someone else who believed that they used to uh, practice these kind of dark arts in the cemetery. And I said, well, what is so special about that area? And I asked the same question you just did. And some of their workings, they would say things like uh, graveyard dirt and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, what's significant about this plot of land? I go, these people didn't die here. And not only that, if you look back through history, I'm willing to bet every place you go, somebody is buried at some point in time under whatever ground that you're on because humans have been here for a really long time and been dying ever since so just because we don't have it on record doesn't mean that there isn't somebody right under our feet that has died recent you know uh, in the past i mean so i had that i had that same question and then something came up <clears throat> that i looked up and i still can't figure this one out but i'm glad you brought it up because i would l love our listeners to know this one and look this up <clears throat> for some reason <clears throat> excuse me the Tesla's cars nowadays have a sensor on them that shows when somebody is around you. So if you look at the little screen inside of a Tesla, it has sensors around it showing you people or objects or something alike. And when you look at them, it'll actually show the silhouette of a person. And I can't figure this one out either. So if the people didn't die in the cemetery, 
then why would they be hanging out in the cemetery? It's just the body, as you said. But for some reason, when you drive Teslas around certain areas, it'll pick things up. And it seems like the biggest activity are in the cemeteries. There was one of the more famous ones where <clears throat> somebody was driving, you obviously drive slow through a cemetery, was driving a Tesla through a cemetery and it picked up somebody on their passenger side. So as they passed them, they happened to see it. They stopped the car because there was no one there. The figure then came up on the screen again at the speed of somebody walking by the car. They let them go off into the distance, sped up again. And as they caught up to the area where that would have been at walking speed, the car picked up a signal again. Okay. So I'm not really sure why. Okay. But it's, I've got the answer, new one. I've got the answer. What's that? Are, are you familiar with the term "Saved by the Bell"? Uh no. Oh, uh, you've I heard was that term. A TV show, but yeah, like a boxing. You're, term. Sa yeah. you're saved by the bell. Do you know where that originated? No. Well, back in the day, and you know, back in we're going back back in the day in the early centuries, when richer people were buried, they requested that they be buried with a string leading from their coffin to the surface, to a bell. So if you were buried alive, you could oh. ring the bell, hence saved by the bell. Now, I propose that these things that are being seen um, in the cemetery by Teslas could be those people that weren't fortunate enough to have a bell in their coffin. There's been more than one case reported over the years that people have been buried alive, so maybe those people in the cemetery are actually people that got buried alive. Possible. Yeah. I have heard stories like that. Very possible. Yeah, I read too. This is not nice. I mean, they, they uh, then after years remove coffins and you could find scratches inside. Oh, yeah, oh what, what would you do? I mean, if, if you are yeah. buried alive, this, this is really yeah. a tragedy. So, I you mean. know, if you're going to get buried, man, um, Get a bell hooked up. Don't go bell. with your phone because you're not going to get signal and your battery will probably go flat. So, yeah, go, go old school. Get a, get yeah, a, I think you're right about that one. Get a piece of string with a bell. Um, yeah, safe by the bell. Um, so it looks like from what we got this week was there are cases of um, – you know, uh, something so people crossing over to the other side and still have some type of remnant energy here or the ability to bounce back and forth when they want. And it looks like there are some other forces that aren't so nice that do show up from time to time that have some type of readable energy field on our equipment at this particular time in history as far as technology goes. And there are cases of p people that can perform, you know, superhuman feats and this seems to be the cause. Whether it's an actual entity or not, we don't know, but we're throwing it into that as a possibility of as far as how they're able to do it. So there is some more modern evidence out there. And as technology improves, I think we're seeing a little bit more and more of it. And yeah, there it seems to be some type of energy transfer, whether it's from a basement to a person or from a person to a person looks like it is possible. Hmm. Oh, Jerry's out for me, man. Um, That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we always uh, uh, encourage everyone to do your own research and check it out. And like I said before, guys, do me a favor. Don't mess around with this stuff if you don't know what you're doing, please. So from right. there, uh, 
guys got anything else going on? Ralph, you want to fill some uh, stuff up here? Um, it's uh, for me. It's fine so far. I mean, uh, what I can um, uh, observe in general, like when we started with with the shows, um, Bevo was less a skeptic uh, than me, and uh, uh, as it looks today, he's more skeptical. And I lost a little bit of my um, skeptical view on those things because. It's really difficult to. Of course, I I can say I can reject it with a with a from my modern perspective and looking back, like in cases like hundred years ago or something. Um, it's it's easy to debunk, but then um, there are too many of those cases to to really say like okay, those are just people who look for attention. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean. Never say never, and I appreciate you bringing the Ammons family case to to light new one because that's something that I'll probably um, research a little bit more to see whether these testimonies from you know medical law enforcement, um, child services, etc., actually do exist, and if we can get hold of some of those, that would be awesome. Because um, then there is a big question mark, and then you may have to rethink your position if you're a non-believer, I guess. Would you think yeah, you know, I, I would like to see <clears throat> more of the actual um, evidence of like the, the technological aspect of it. So aside from Tesla picking it up, there were doctors that doctor that I was referring to uh, at one point worked at a university here called UCLA. And it's a well-known university, and they had a paranormal division for almost 10 years, and he worked there the entire time, but their job was to go out there and try to find, just do readings. Take every kind of meter you can think of and do readings when these things happen, these things happen so we can figure out what's going on. Mm. And I would like to see some more of that because there's been a couple of cases where these things happen and there is something outside of the normal realm of, of readable energy going on. And I think that would help us out a lot in understanding exactly what's happening till then. Everybody don't screw around with stuff, but still, I think that's the road I'd like to see. Uh, before I close out here, I would just like to say uh, we have a trick or treat for everyone, all of our Noster fellows down there and anyone who is listening in a different platform after our show, we're going to close up and set our recordings, and then we have a surprise for everyone. Nas Navets on Noster is getting ready to show a movie for the second time. Today, we are doing Halloween movies for everyone in the uh, joy of the season. He has a special for us, and I can't remember what the name of the movie was, so I am going to bring him to the stage really quick, actually. Cool. And Nas, if you would like, I'd like you to go ahead and tell everyone what we got and when, what time you're starting. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, we're watching a Japanese horror movie called House or Houseu. Uh, it, it should be really fun. And we're starting whenever you guys finish right over here. Um, Prolific Joints down there is going to be our host streamer. Um, and we're going to have the live chat going just like always. So it'll be fun. 
Awesome. Great, great. Thank you, Nas. We are going to close out here in a minute. And then when we do, we're going to take about 15 minutes to bring our listeners up and see if they have anything to discuss on this topic. And then from there, hopefully we'll see everybody for movie night. Thanks again, Nas Nervest. Guys, you have anything you'd like to close out with? And Bravo, Bevo, if you want to bring us home. Yeah. Um, Ralph, you got anything else you need to say there, buddy? No. Okay. Um, well, thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, as always, uh, like to pr um, thank, and we do appreciate everyone that gives us the support. Um, you know, it is a live show, and the it's uh, it's really great to see people you know support us and come and and come and sit in the in the audience. Um, so we hope to see you here again uh -huh. same time next week. And for all those people that will be listening to us on their preferred podcast platform again thanks for listening so that's it from us this week um thanks for listening and bye for now